Hey, Redeem family, as you can tell, I am at a different location for this week's sermon, and that location is our new building. We closed on it this week, we got the keys, and we are in here, and it is amazing at Gravely and Bridgeport. It will probably be a little loud as you can hear the cards go, but I wanted to film here to show what God is doing. Now, what we aren't is going to be meeting on Sundays right away because God gave us this building to be an outpost for the kingdom in the heart of Lakewood. But we also have to do some improvements to it and build a worship, worship center. So give us a couple weeks and we'll communicate how that's going along and when we're moving in officially. But we will start to meet some of our ministries and our offices here at the People's Plaza. And it's exciting, but we will be communicating. But remember that it took about six months to build the tabernacle and about seven years to build the temple. So give us a couple weeks and a couple months to build a worship center. But God has given us this strategic location, and it's amazing. And we are now at the start line. We are not at the finish line. We are at the start line of our next kingdom assignment of the Great Commission here in the heart of Lakewood. And so we are going to be getting our running shoes tied and ready to go. Again, many times people think when you got a building, you hit your finish line, but that is not true. We are just at the starting line. So let's go. And that is why we are sharing from here, because today we are talking about this important topic in our Rooted series, which is how and why do we tell others about Jesus? And this is uh, coming off of COVID. This has been a couple of years where we probably haven't really practiced this skill. And so I was thinking about this. If you wanted to improve on any skill or learn a new hobby or kind of uh, uh, learn a new uh, skill, you would study some of the greats. And so I was thinking, obviously, with basketball, who would that be? That'd be MJ, right? Michael Jordan. You got the greatest of all time, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. With football, if you were studying quarterbacks, let's say you want to be a, a young guy uh, that wanted to be a quarterback, you would study, let's say, Tom Brady or my age would be, you know, Joe Montana. And you would think about, of course, I was thinking just for fun, if you wanted to, for some reason, become a, a mime or one of the greatest mimes in the world, you, of course, would study Marcel Marche, of course, the world's greatest, the goat of miming. And if you just wanted to pick up a bunch of weird hobbies and skills, you would study this guy called Ashrita Furman. I hope I got that name right. And, and he has set over 600 world records, and 200 of them still stand today. So I'm going to throw up a picture of this, but if you wanted to get good at holding a chainsaw on your chin, you would follow this guy. If you really got into somersaulting, if you were really into somersaulting, you would follow this guy because this guy somersaulted for 12 miles and four, or 390 yards. So Let's think about this. If you somersaulted for four football fields, you would just have 12 miles to go to beat this guy. And then if you, if you uh, wanted the fascinating hobby of jumping rope underwater, this guy has the world record. He did it 1,600 times in one hour, and I don't even understand how you can jump rope once underwater. It doesn't make sense to me at all. But if we're going to talk about the greatest of all times to learn a skill and a hobby, I want to talk about let's study someone 
who, about sharing our faith? Who could we study about sharing our faith? And I was thinking about this as I was watching the World Series. I was watching the World Series this year, and one of the commentators said this. He said that this is one of the most brutal sports because this is a sport where if you're unsuccessful seven out of ten times, you are one of the best players in the world. If you hit the ball three out of ten times, you are one of the best players in the world. And so today, when we talk about sharing our faith, I want to start with this idea that our faith is much like this. I think many of us are afraid to share our faith because we are afraid of striking out. But to do this successfully, unfortunately, we're going to strike out. I've shared this story a a couple times. You may have heard it, but um, I went to the same Starbucks for a year. I worked there, and every morning I was one of their first customers, and I worked there for hours. And I got to meet tons of people, and uh, maybe even hundreds of people. And I would talk to them, and I'd build a relationship. And then it was right when we were running Alpha, if you remember the Alpha course that we did. And I invited all of my new friends to come to Alpha. And you know how many of them said yes? Zero. Now, that might say a little bit about my skills in this area and, and, and me, but but it reminded me that we are not to uh, hide behind uh, not sharing our, our gospel, the gospel because they were scared, but rather we are supposed to have this strikeout mentality. So today, as we get into the Rooted series, and again, we say, why and how should I tell others about Jesus? Today, I hope that this message will inspire and encourage you to realize our call once again That's very hard, and it's getting increasingly more hard, but it is our call to share our faith. And the first thing I want to remind us on as we talk about this is that God has strategically placed you and me in this location called Pierce County. 2021, a time and a place, Pierce County, God has placed us. Now, this kingdom assignment is not one of the easier kingdom assignments, and I'm just going to put it out there, that 35% of all people in this county, only 35% of people in this county, call themselves religious in general. And out of that, less than 30% of them consider themselves Christians, and that's including all denominations. And so less than 30% consider themselves Christians, but... Our calling is to continue to go out and proclaim the name of Jesus. And you remember that when Jesus sent out the 72, he said this. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. At the same time, There's this cultural pressure that we're facing. And so God is calling us out like the 72. He's calling us out to go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus. But we are going out like lambs among wolves. And there's this social pressure. And it's actually pressure within the church to not stir some some stuff up. You know, we did this Barna study. I I, I used to work for Alpha. And we did this study with Barna. And we studied uh, millennials. Oh, us millennials. We, if you're a millennial, we love you. I'm a millennial, and so I'm with you. But Barna did this study with Alpha, and the group was going out and talking to the church, and they found some interesting things about the American church when it comes to sharing their faith. 
And there's actually some an interesting contradicting numbers that we have to figure out as a body. For millennials, 96% of us said that our faith, that part of our faith is being a witness to Jesus Christ. That's pretty good. You'd like it to be 100%, but 96% of Christians, millennials, said that this means that uh, part of our faith is sharing and witnessing about Jesus. And crazier yet, 94% say the best thing that could ever happen to someone is for them to come to know Jesus. So we kind of have our theology right. We're understanding that. But then here's where the contradiction comes in. It says that 47% of us think that it's wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that one day they will share in the same faith. So 96% of us said, hey, I understand that this is part of our call to be a Jesus follower. We have to witness 94% of us say, hey, this is the best thing that could ever happen to someone. One of the best things that could ever happen to someone is for them to understand that Jesus Christ is Lord. But 47% say, oh, but we shouldn't really be doing it because it's actually offensive. And this is where we are at. And as we look back, we have to regain this strikeout mentality. We have to realize that it is part of our calling and it's one of the best things that we can do for somebody, but we have to have this strikeout mentality. It says, Luke 10, as we continue this, remember, it says this, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat with what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and you are not welcomed, Go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. We have to realize this. As we, we, as we grow as a church and as we uh, think about our kingdom mission, we have to redevelop this skill, sharing our faith. Every believer has to redevelop this scale of sharing our faith. And I want to acknowledge that's me as well, all of us. And I don't know where you're at. Maybe it's that you have a deep fear of rejection. Many of us do. Maybe that it's that you feel awkward with families and friends to talk about spiritual things. Many of us do. You know, maybe it's that you're worried that you don't have all the answers because that's a big fear. You, you may feel like you don't have all the answers to the questions that someone might have. Or maybe it's that you're too busy to really invest in other people's lives. We fill up our lives with so much busyness that we don't necessarily have time to invest in others. Or worse, we find ourselves in a Christian huddle where we realize that we only have Christian friends and we don't actually have anybody to witness to. You know, as I was praying over this sermon, the Lord uh, called me to just look at Acts 9. And so I looked at Acts 9, and this is where we said is, hey, if we are going to redevelop the skill and redevelop our passion for this, let's go ahead and focus on one of the goats of sharing their faith, one of the greatest of all times. And so I said Acts 9, or the Lord pointed me to Acts 9 and Paul. And I think that the Lord just wanted us to study this just to be inspired. You know, I I think it's just to think about, hey, we need a little encouragement and inspiration to rekindle this passion. And so I just think about, if you look at MJ or Tom Brady, um, they, they don't have this, but we actually, with Paul, 
we have this amazing thing where we have this mission statement. We have a mission statement for Paul, and it's in Romans. Romans 1, 1 through 5. And so let's look at that, and let's look at the words that stand, and I want you to look for words that stand out in this mission statement that he is going to say. So Paul writes this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. Roman 1, 1-5. Paul views himself first and foremost as a servant of Jesus. That's his identity and that's our identity. And that's where it all starts from. We have to understand that we are servants. And then he calls himself this, an apostle. An apostle is one that's sent out on mission. It's a messenger, someone who is set apart or commissioned to represent another person. And so Paul's saying, I am a servant and I'm an apostle on mission to represent Jesus Christ to everyone. And he's going to share this, that he's going to share that he received grace to call all Gentiles, aka everyone, to what? And it says here, to the obedience that comes from, from faith for his name's sake. And it's so important for us to understand that this is Paul's mission. Paul is set as a servant and an apostle to carry out this mission. And he's also called to do this. He's called to lead a ragtag group of churches to carry out this mission with him. It's, it's crazy to think. One of the most amazing stories in the Bible is simply this, that these churches had the audacity to carry out the Great Commission. And Paul's going to lead them on this. They had no money, no power, no resources, barely any organization at all, and yet they had the audacity to think that they could carry out the Great Commission. So we look at that, Matthew 28, 18 through 19. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If Paul were here today, I think he would ask ask for us to rekindle this audacity. I think that he would say, hey, (laughs) Pierce County churches, can you just rekindle the audacity to believe that you can carry out that great commission? Because we desperately need it. Through a, just a small group of house churches in the first century with Roman control, then a Roman ruled, known, ruled the known world, this strange grassroots a countercultural movement could do this. And it's time for us to wake up our church and the churches in Pierce County to back to sharing our faith. Because I think he wants to rekindle it. And so as we jump back into Acts 9, we say, okay, Paul is a servant who, who is carrying out this to share the, proclaim the, the good news to all of uh, all the Gentiles. And, and then we go into Acts 9 and we study from the, from the middle part of his story to the beginning part of his story. 
in Acts 9. In this ragtag group of churches, Paul enters the story by this. He enters the story by being one of the religious elites, the Jewish leaders who are trying to stop the movement. That's where we find Paul when we start Acts 9. Saul, of course, is his name, and it's going to change to Paul. But he's one of the main people that's doing this, and he is absolutely brutal. He's known as one of the most brutal leaders that's trying to stop this movement. Everyone is afraid of him. And Saul finds out that the movement is spreading to the north in Damascus. So he's going to go take care of things. And so that's where it leads us at the start of the story here to Acts 9. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveled with Saul, stood there speechless. They heard the sound, that, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So he, they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. Point number one, to rekindle your heart for telling others about the good news of Jesus, we must all remember the radical experiences that we've had with Jesus Christ. You know, many of us have had crazy backgrounds where we came to Jesus and it was an amazing experience. Some of us have been following this faith and following the way of the Lord uh, since maybe even when you were a young child and you were raised in a Christian home. But we've all had this, radical experiences with Jesus Christ. And we have to, to rekindle it, we have to remember. Many of our experiences aren't as radical as Paul, and that's totally fine. But we have to remember times that Jesus met us, and there was this conversion where we understood what it looked like to be a follower of the way. And we have to rekindle that passion. When faith becomes just a wallpaper to us or faith becomes just a way of life, we miss it because we have to remember and regain our passion for these radical, remembering these radical experiences that we've had with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul is going to remember that experience for the rest of his life, of course, and it's going to be what fuels his passion. Matter of fact, a couple times in Acts, in Acts 22 and 26, He shares about this radical experience as he's sharing his faith. And so it's so important for us that we remember that people relate to stories. They relate to the story of Jesus and they relate to our stories as well. And so we get to use that and we get to really uh, uh, share our faith from that perspective where we share the story of Jesus, but we also share the radical life change or the ways that Jesus has met us or the ways that Jesus has taken care of us in the most amazing ways. And we will rekindle that passion to share our faith when we rekindle our passion for remembering what the Lord has done in our lives. Now the story continues and we bring in Ananias, a disciple in Damascus, and he gets this vision from the Lord. And, uh, and we pick it up here in Acts 15, 16. And he does not want to deal with Paul or Saul because he is like, this dude is no good. I'm good, Lord. I don't want to do this because he knows how brutal he is. And so Acts 9, 15, it says, But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. 
God is telling Ananias that Paul is going to be an instrument to proclaim his name to the Gentiles, their kings, and to uh, the people of Israel. So my question for you is, who is this? God is calling all of us to be an instrument to proclaim. He's calling each one of us to be an instrument to proclaim. And the way the Lord orchestrates this, I guarantee that he is orchestrating some people in your life to proclaim the name of Jesus over them. And so we see this, that, you know, oftentimes churches or like this, Paul has a big calling, right? He's saying all Gentiles, they're kings and all of Israel. And sometimes we as a church can can use that. We're going to take over a city or we're going to evangelize a whole city or we're going to start a movement in the city. But I want you to spend some time praying because I think the Lord is calling you to be an instrument to proclaim. But he's saying this with your neighbors, with your friends, with your coworkers, who are those people? Because each one of us, the Lord has orchestrated our life in a way that he's put people in our lives to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And now we go on to Acts uh, 9.16. I want to say, it says this, Acts 9.16, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Point number three, we are on a mission. And this is a big deal. At Paul's conversion, much like when we came to faith, we might have pictured this idealistic world after we came to faith, right? But remember that when we are called to a mission, Missions always come with challenges, setbacks, and sufferings. That's what, that's what we find is that missions aren't easy. Uh, in and of themselves, to do something or to set something into motion or to change something, missions are hard. And we as a church can lose this idea of this theology of suffering. And we understand that when we accept Christ's mission, it comes with grace and peace and joy and love and all the feels that we get. But it also comes with pain and challenge and suffering. And in Acts 9.16, it's saying, the Lord's saying to Ananias that Paul must see how much he's going to have to suffer for his name. And so we carry this with us, that today we are going to face things. We may be laughed at, we may be ridiculed, we may be relationships removed from our lives, uh, we might lose friends. There's a variety of ways that this could go. But when we have a radical experience with Jesus, we are called to proclaim, and it will come with some suffering, but we are called now into mission just like Paul was. And Paul goes from the religious elite to the bottom once he accepts this mission. But it's all worth it to him. And I hope you see that it's worth it to you as well, that we get called into this mission. And it's an amazing thing that we are called into. Now, we look at this and we see Ananias. Now, uh, Paul is healed and the scales fall from his eyes. And Ananias does what the Lord tells him. And he, he's beginning to eat, and things are looking better. And we find this, Acts 9, 20 through 21. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. All those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, Is this not the one who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on this name and had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priest? The point here is that we, we proclaim Jesus and we let our life speak. 
You know, what, is, what does Paul do immediately after he's converted? He proclaims Jesus, and people see this transformed life, and they were amazed. You know, one of the things is that out of our struggles and out of our transformation, plus the story of Jesus, people uh, are amazed at that story. And God speaks through us. When we don't just hide, we don't hide our struggles and our past struggles, and we don't, if we don't share our transformation, and we don't proclaim Jesus and the good news of Jesus, God can't fully utilize us in the relationships that we have. It takes all three of those. It takes vulnerability, and people will see our transformed life, and people will be amazed. And, but we also have to proclaim Jesus, and we see that that's the first thing that Paul does is that he proclaims Jesus. And people uh, hear, the, hear him proclaim Jesus and see his transformed life, and they are amazed. So I want to end on this. We're going to go down to verse 31. And it says this, that Paul joins uh, the disciples and, uh, and with the help of Barnabas, because the disciples were like, whoa, this, this dude's bad. We're not sure about this. But with the, uh, the help of Barnabas, Paul now joins the disciples. Acts 9.31 then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. The church is now enjoying peace. And, and there's a couple reasons why, and commentaries have a couple ideas. One, Paul is not in the picture anymore. Paul is, Paul is now converted, so he's a good guy. And he, there's other people persecuting them, but not Paul. But also there's this unified spirit and there's this unity that's happening within the church. And it says that they were strengthened. Despite persecution, they were growing in both maturity and they were growing in numbers. You know, our church, we've been a part of growing in maturity. I really feel like that. I feel like many of us are in a season of growing in maturity. But we also need to have this, growing in numbers. And how is this happening? It says two things that are happening. One is the fear of God. They had this holy walk. They were living it out. And they didn't have fear of man. And they didn't have uh, this need for power. They didn't have uh, this need for status. No, instead, they didn't need anything. They were focused on pleasing God, having a healthy fear of God, and having a holy walk. And it's so important that we have that, that we focus on having this holy walk. But two, it says they were encouraged by the Holy Spirit. They were spirit-led. Read, read Acts again. All, all throughout Acts, we see that the Holy Spirit is working through them and that they're encouraged by the Holy Spirit and, they're, and they're, they're led by the Holy Spirit. And we see that when Jesus is being proclaimed, we see people are being healed and that people are joining the church in numbers. There's people flocking to the church. Jesus is, it, 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 when Jesus is being proclaimed and the Holy Spirit is encouraging us, people begin to come and be saved. And that's what our mission is. Like Paul, we see that, that our mission is to share the gospel. It's to proclaim Jesus. We are a servant of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. And we see this to, to increase the numbers into the kingdom, to carry out like the early church who had the audacity to believe that they could carry out the, the, uh, the Great Commission with no money, no resources, and no power that we have to have that audacity as well. And we have to walk in fear of God and to be encouraged by the Holy Spirit and to proclaim Jesus Christ in our community. 
You know, there's a strategic reason that I did this talk in this room, and that is because this is our fellow, this is our future fellowship hall. I wish I could turn the camera around and show you, but this is our fellowship hall. And if you remember before COVID, we were doing uh, an alpha and we had about 60 people coming and, and many of people that didn't know yet know Jesus. And my vision is that this room in the spring, as we get things settled out, settled down and, and we get stuff built up here, that this room would be filled with people who yet don't know Jesus Christ through Alpha and through us inviting them and that we would see this, that we would have the audacity to invite our friends, our family, and our coworkers to this transformational life of following Jesus Christ. And so we are here in this new building. We just got the keys. We're one day old here, but we, uh, we are at the start line of our next mission of carrying out the Great Commission. And we are to tell people about the life change that happens when we follow Jesus, to repent of your sins and to follow the King of Kings and, and, and to, to go out and, and, and grow in numbers as a church, to grow in and be strengthened by maturity, but also to bring new people into the kingdom. And so I hope that you'll join us on that. And so let me pray for us on that. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have uh, strategically placed us as an outpost in this city. Lord, thank you uh, for what you've done uh, for families and for individuals in our church and for even in a season of pain and suffering that you have uh, helped us come out of it with a new mission. And that mission is to reach people and proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. So Lord, will you help us to just carry out that mission? Will you uh, give us clarity and will you help us be spirit-led in what you are trying to do in this community? And we love you with all that we are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, again, we will be sharing more information about the new building in the next couple weeks, but keep praying as we are so focused on being spirit-led and saying, Lord, what do you want to do through us with this new building? So we love you and we will see you next week.